Welcome to Eat, Capture, Share, the podcast for food bloggers, food lovers, and everyone in between. My name is Kimberly. I'm your host. Episode 33. Hey, it's Kimberly, food blogger and food photographer behind the Little Plantation podcaster here at Eat, Capture, Share. And as always, honored that you're tuning in. I will never, ever take that for granted. I am super excited about today's episode. And I dare say it is my most favorite episode that I have recorded for season three so far. So there are a couple that I haven't recorded yet. They might top this one. I do not know. But from where I'm sitting right now in the middle of November, this is the episode of the season. I thought long and hard about how I should name this podcast because really and truly it is about selling. But I was worried or concerned that if you saw how to sell, you'd be like, oh, I don't sell. It's not for me. When in actual fact, we sell all the time and we don't really realize that we're doing it. Those of you who've listened for a long time know that my background really is as a social worker. I'm a trained yoga teacher. You know, there isn't a lot of salesy stuff going on. So in actual fact, when I started the little plantation as a business, I didn't even know what the difference between sales and marketing was. What I've come to realize is that I love marketing and I understand marketing and marketing to me comes very naturally. For me, marketing is about telling people, this is what I do. These are the things I can offer. And this is how I can help you. This is how I can make your life better. So I find it really easy to talk about the e-courses that I teach or the food photography work that I do for restaurants because I feel proud of what I do. And I know that students who work with me their lives are transformed. Businesses that work with me love seeing their recipes come to life visually. And and so, you know, I feel confident about marketing. And it's something I teach quite happily in my, you know, one-to-one mentoring sessions, etc. I'm not confident at all when it comes to sales. And sales is really the, the part where people have been like, okay, whoa, I'm interested in working with you for recipe development or You know, we've got this influencer marketing campaign. We see that you do this thing. It looks incredible. How much is it? How much do you charge? What's your rate card? Like that's the sales bit. And that's the part I usually freak out in. I've definitely gotten better. But I always think that if I experience something, then the likelihood that other people are out there experiencing exactly the same thing is probably very high. So that's really the sales element, you know, like people are interested, they've inquired. Now, how do you move them from inquiry to actually attending your course, buying your preset, buying your backdrop, buying your e-course, e-book, or hiring you as a recipe developer, food photographer, etc. Like how do you get them from inquiry to taking out their credit card and paying for the darn thing? And that's where today's guest, Nikki Rausch, comes in. Nikki is 
well, I was going to say total badass. She's a total badass, but a total badass with lots and lots of heart. And I heard her on one of my most favorite podcasts, the Biz Chicks podcast. I think I've mentioned them before. I'll link to that podcast in the show notes. And girl crush moment. She's incredible. And I was like, you know what? I need to get Nikki here onto the podcast because I know she is preaching things and teaching things that will help you, that will help you move from having someone interested in your service to actually paying for it. Two things I want to note. The first thing, because I have a girl crush on Nikki, I was super nervous in the interview and I'm not sure I did it 100% justice. It was very similar to the interview I did with Being Boss. I was very nervous with them too. I will link to that episode because I think it actually links very or goes very well with this episode because both of them are about the transactional process of money, which for many of us is still a little bit of a taboo subject. So I will link to that because I would really invite you to listen to that episode if you haven't already. The other thing I want to note is that doing this podcast interview with Nikki made me relook at some of the advice that I gave Maria Lena in episode 28. I would give her a slightly different advice in terms of closing the sale. I think there's some overlap with what Nikki said and what I advised um, Maria Elena in that episode, but I think Nikki takes it a step further and Nikki has that final piece of the puzzle that I wasn't able to provide Maria Elena. And so again, I will link to episode 28 so you can hear it in conjunction with this episode. I'm going to stop chit-chatting and I'm going to hand over to Nikki and I so, so, so hope that this episode helps you propel forward and make it happen for the end of this year and definitely for 2020. Nikki, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Eat, Capture, Share podcast. I don't think you quite know how excited I am to have you. Well, thank you for having me and uh, thank you for being excited to have me. That's awesome. I'm super excited because I think money and sales and that whole area is so touchy-feely for so many of us. And having heard you on numerous other podcasts, I know you break it down in such a tangible and also in a way that feels good. So I know that you're going to share things that my audience is going to love. But most of them don't know you, so I'd love for you to start by introducing yourself. Great. Thank you. Well, I'm Nikki Roush. My company is Sales Maven. I am an author, a speaker, and a sales coach. And entrepreneurs hire me to learn how to master the art of relationship selling so they're able to really connect with their clients and ultimately close more sales. Mm -hmm. So I teach and focus a lot around the conversation. And the conversation could be in person or over Zoom or over the phone, but it also can be written, like yes. communication. So yes. that's what I do. Well, can we actually start 
a little bit in the beginning in the sense of, you know, thinking through the scenarios that my audience would encounter in how they would sell their services. So a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are either food photographers, recipe developers, content creators. Why do you think that some of them may find it hard to sell their services at the rates that they actually want to? Well, one of the biggest struggles for people is when it comes to the sales process, I guess maybe I should say there are a couple big struggles. Mm -hmm. One is that more than likely your audience, they're experts at what they do. And Mm -hmm. so part of, part of being an expert is it's not that it's, it just doesn't take as much time and energy and effort anymore because it's become how you show up in the world. Mm -hmm. And things seem easy to us, we sometimes don't feel like we can sell them or that they'll be valued to others. And we forget that what we're experts on, people will absolutely pay for because they're not the expert that you are. And so sometimes it's it's a mindset issue around like, well, how can I really charge for this when you know, it didn't take me very long to do, or it wasn't very hard to do, or, you know, I've been doing it for so long, it just comes natural. But that's actually the stuff that I personally believe you should charge the most for, Mm -hmm. because all of us want to learn, and we want to learn from experts. And the way that you're going to showcase yourself as an expert is to get paid for what you do. Can I ask, Nikki, and this is actually not one of the questions that I put in the list, so I hope you don't feel bad about me throwing this in, but how do you feel or where does doing something for free fit into your framework? Is that something that you ever recommend? Are there ever scenarios where you feel that promoting or quote-unquote selling yourself for free is is appropriate? Well, first of all, you can ask me anything. I love questions. (laughs) That's great. And um, I do think that doing something for free is a good way to give people a taste Mm -hmm. of what you do. Because we are so bombarded with so many ways to consume information nowadays, I truly believe that we are a society of skeptics. And um, we're also very savvy now. You know, we have information at our fingertips. And so allowing people to have a taste of what you do is a really great way to attract your ideal clients. It's also a really great way to repel the people that are not ideal clients for you because the message won't resonate. They won't value what you gave. Now, I do think there needs to be some strategy behind Mm -hmm. what that free thing is. I think it needs to deliver value and I think it needs to be what I call a bite size. And my clients hear me say this all the time. I always say just one thing, just give people one thing (laughs) that allows for them to go like, Ooh, that's amazing. That's awesome. This is something I can then use or this tip is something I can, you know, implement into my own work and see results from. But it does have to kind of be a small, like a small thing, because if you give somebody like, here's 18 steps on how to do something, they're going to get stopped at step three because they're going to feel overwhelmed. They're not an expert at it. So give them just a bite size, give them a taste of something, and that's going to make them want more. I love it. And then 
like for example, again, I, I'll give you the scenarios that some of my listeners encounter. So they might do a a shot of a cafe, restaurant, or whatever for free, and then provide that restaurant with one free shot. And then the question is, should they tie that then to a further offer and say, if you enjoy this, I have this at this price. Like, do you feel that something free always needs to be tied into a further opportunity to actually make money? Yes, is the answer. Although I want to back it up just a bit. I'm not totally, I'm not totally sold on giving the restaurant a free image to use necessarily as much Mm -hmm. as it might be showing the restaurant an example of how your work would benefit them and bring more, uh, you know, attract more of their ideal clients. So that could actually be showing them a representation of what you did for somebody else. And then there does need to be an offer, a component for them to pay you money because when they pay pay you money, they're going to be really excited about what you're going to deliver. Now, if you're just starting out and you don't have a lot of, you know, a body of work or, you know, you don't have some testimonials or, you know, you, maybe you don't have a lot of connections yet in, in the industry that you're focused on, then maybe you make some strategic partnerships. I'm not opposed to doing work for free, but I do want you to be strategic in the way that you deliver it. Because sometimes I always think about, you know, um, this is kind of a random, super random example, but the university that I graduated from, for years they used to send me things for free, like labels and stuff like, because they wanted a donation. I didn't really think that was the most effective way. I think they would have been better off demonstrating to me you know, what my donation would go towards and how it would benefit others or something like that versus like just giving me something that I didn't ask for. Gotcha. So maybe think about what would the restaurant want? What would be of huge value to them? And then give them a taste maybe. But that needs to probably happen through a conversation. Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, going back to something else that you mentioned before, that some of us struggle a little bit to sell. And you, you said that, you know, it's because things come easy to us. And often it's a mindset shift that needs to happen. And I was wondering if you have some tips to share as to how to allow that mindset shift to occur so that selling becomes second nature. Yes, I do have some tips around this. I love this piece. This is something that I work with my clients a lot on. It's something I speak about in my, you know, Sales Maven Society, which is my community. It's so important to manage your internal state of mind when you are about to go into a conversation with a prospective client. And that could be even before you write an email. And I'll give you a tip on how to do that. But I I also want to say here that the selling process really shouldn't be focused on you and your needs. Mm -hmm. It really should be focused on the client and their needs and delivering something of value to them in some way. And so when you take that pressure off yourself of like, oh my gosh, what's this person going to think about me? Or what are they going to, you know, how are they going to judge me? When you stop worrying about that because you're just trying to make the experience as 
you know, amazing for them as possible. If you focus on them, it takes some pressure off. Now, there is a technique that I teach around managing your internal state of mind. <laughs> and I don't know how much time we have to like really dig into this. So I'm, I'm just going to give it to you in the most condensed version because I would love for your audience to have it. Great. So give yourself this opportunity. Do something before you get on the call, before you send that email, before you walk into have the meeting. Take a moment to like center yourself. So I actually teach what's known as the NLP mandala. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. I have a very extensive background in NLP. And I learned this many years ago. I teach it to every client. And so I will say up front, if it doesn't resonate with you, and again, I'm doing it really quickly, so I'm not going to go into all the detail about why you do it or why this phrase is picked or any of that. But if it doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. Do something else, but be do something to manage your state. So there are four statements in the NLP mandala that I say to myself before, as a matter of fact, I said it before I got onto the podcast <laughs> with you. I say it before I pick up the phone, you know, when somebody's calling me. I, I, do, I do it before I do client work. I do it all the time. So the first statement I say to myself is, I'm glad I'm here. And I don't just say it. I allow for my body to feel, what does it feel like to really be glad to be somewhere? The second statement is, I'm glad you're here. Think about who you're going to be in conversation with and be glad that you are, you know, that they're there because if they're not there, how are you going to grow your business? How are you going to, how are you going to make an impact in the world? How are you going to be of service? So be glad they're there. The third statement is, I know what I know. And this is your credibility statement. This is that power statement of like, really stand in your place of credibility and authority and own, I know what I know. And then the fourth statement is, I care about you. Because nobody wants to buy from somebody where you just feel like, oh, all I am to you is a dollar sign. Mm -hmm. So when you show up from this place of like, I have a legitimate care about the person that I'm in conversation with, I really want what's best for them. I care for them. They will feel that from you. So again, really quickly, it's, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here. I know what I know and I care about you. And it doesn't take very long to do it. You know, I do it in like, what, a few seconds. I do it before even like if my phone starts ringing and I know it's a potential client or it is an actual client, I say it before I answer the phone because it's a way for me to manage my internal state and say, okay, Nikki, be focused on them. Give your best and whatever my best is that day, that's okay. Like sometimes my best is like a, you know, is a nine out of 10 and other days my best is like a five out of 10, but I'm going to give the best I can in that moment to this person and really show up in the conversation. Amazing. I love that. Now for people for whom that may not have resonated or who want more, do you have any other tips in terms of setting yourself up and your mindset up to make a sale? The other thing is make sure you have a plan. Know before you go into that meeting, what's the outcome? And the outcome that I often coach around is setting up the next step. 
So if this is an introductory meeting, it might be unrealistic to think that you're going to walk out of the introductory meeting with a, like a few thousand dollar order. Yeah. Not that it couldn't happen. It may. However, be prepared. What's the next step and set it up before you leave the meeting? The next step might be, okay, we had an introductory conversation. I was able to talk a little bit about, you know, my outcome was to share a little bit about what I do and how I might be of service to this person and find out if they're interested. They've indicated they are. So the next step might be to set up a time to go over examples of my work or put together a proposal for them. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I've got that scheduled with the person before I leave. Now, if it turns out in the conversation that they're like, hey, I'm all in, the prospect is like, this is amazing what you're offering and I'm totally on board, let's go. Then your outcome should be to take that order, get that sale, close that business, so then you can then deliver on what they've paid you money to do. And that means being willing to take money in the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, most of my clients are afraid of like, I can't ask somebody for their credit card. I'm like, why? I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. If somebody says like, Nikki, I'm, I'm ready. I want to hire you. I go, great. How would you like to pay for that? Yeah. Can I give you two scenarios that I think a lot of people encounter and I wondered how you would advise to manage them? Yes, so please. one would be you know, people get approached to say, again, I'm going to use this as an example. Hi, I run a little cafe in such and such a street, such and such a corner, looking for a photographer to take the shots. Uh, what is your rate? And a lot of people are worried that the rate that they want to charge is too much. And that if they actually give their actual rate, they will lose the business. What would you advise somebody who has, who's stuck in that place? Sorry to be interrupting your podcast experience, but I wanted to tell you about my free Instagram food photography challenge. It is hands down the most important, the funnest, the most creative thing I do. And you get to pre-register now for the winter 2020 challenge. If you want to elevate your food photography, be part of a thriving creative online community, get lots of food photography tips and ideas straight into your inbox, then head to the show notes, sign up to the mailing list, and all the information will be sent to you. I cannot wait to have you on board. All right, now back to the podcast. Okay, the first thing is really standing and acknowledging your rates are your rates. Yeah. You know, so here's the mistake I think that is happening in that scenario yeah. is you are making a judgment about what somebody is willing to pay for your work. Yeah. And that is not your job. Mm -hmm. Your job is to not decide what someone can afford. Your job is to offer them a solution that meets their needs Fantastic. because you don't know what they can afford. Yeah. And so, making that judgment about, well, I can't give my rate because they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's outrageous. Well, the fact of the matter is if that's their response, they're not an ideal client for you. Yeah. And that just means it's okay. I mean, I will also say when I'm working with my private clients and they're telling me like, I have a hundred percent close rate, I see that as a huge red flag because if everybody is saying yes to you, you probably are not charging enough. 
Yeah. So don't be afraid of embracing it. Now, when you give your rate, there is a way that you deliver that information. If you act in any way like, oh, well, you know, my rates are, and you hem and haw, mm -hmm. you are diminishing your credibility. So when somebody asks you your price, you say it like you're giving the time of day. It just is a fact. Mm -hmm. you know? So if somebody says, Nikki, what do you charge for a strategy session? I charge $495. Is that something you'd be interested in scheduling? That's my response. Yeah. And I say it as congruent as that because that is my rate. And if you go on my website, you'll see that's my price. Mm -hmm. Now, if they come back and say, well, you know, are you open to negotiating that? Then I have a different, you know, I have a different response to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my answer is no, but I would still love to work with you. Would you like to schedule it? And depending on the conversation, sometimes my answer is if you're willing to schedule six strategy sessions, mm -hmm. yes, we can have a special rate for you. Yeah. And I think actually that's, that takes a lot of guts. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really does. And I, I think, you know, again, most of the people who listen to this podcast, most of my clients are women, though there are some lovely men who listen to, I have to stress that, but many of them are like, oh, no, I'm, I'm quote unquote, just a mom and I'm just doing this, the side hustle and oh, okay, well, you know, like I'll give them, you know, and they get into that, that mind frame and then talk themselves into offering a discount and then feeling really resentful about it. Mm -hmm. So I'd love them to feel as gutsy as, as that. And I'm just wondering, you know, how, again, maybe it's those mantras that you were talking about before, you know, to, to set yourself up to stand your ground. The other piece is sometimes, and, and this, is, this is something that I, again, focus heavily on with my clients is I give people language. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, I will say I'm not trying to teach anybody to sell like me. What I have found over the years more and more is clients are like, Nikki, if you could just give me the phrase or the response when somebody asks me this, mm -hmm. what should I potentially say back? Then I will give the response. And so I focus a lot around language. I'm not a huge fan of the term scripts, although that's what my clients call them. So they embrace them as scripts, but it still allows for you to tweak it and adjust it because it has to be willing. You have to be willing to get it out of your mouth and say it. But I do focus a lot on here's, here's the response language. When your when your prospect says this, here's what you might say back. Mm -hmm. And they're just suggestions. You can tweak them, but sometimes just giving people that that language, having it at the ready mm -hmm. is that confidence that you need to, to have that response. So this is also why I do think investing in some sales, some sales training, some, you know, some immerse yourself a little bit in some sales language yeah. will benefit clients tremendously it's, it's one of those pieces of, you know, a lot of people go like, I don't, I don't want to spend money and learn how to sell because selling feels uncomfortable. But the truth of the matter is if you don't sell in your business, you don't have clients. And if you don't have clients, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. Absolutely. I guess the other piece of that puzzle is that a lot of people, when they think about selling, they think about, the pushy car salesman and that, you know, that kind of, and nobody wants to be that like, 
nobody wants to be a pushy salesperson. How can we get that image out of our head and how can we sell with confidence and guts without being pushy? One of the ways is, well, I think most people, if, you, if you've heard me on a podcast before or you've ever had any exposure to me, I think most people would never describe me as pushy. Mm -hmm. Most people actually say like, gosh, Nikki, you're very calm and, um, and it's, you know, you, you're just like easy to be in conversation with because I'm not here to try to convince anybody to buy from me. Mm -hmm. So same with when you show up in this place of being of service and offering a service or a, you know, product, whatever it is, that it's, it's there for the taking when somebody wants it. It's not my job to convince them to mm -hmm. buy. It's my job to deliver an experience that makes it easy for them to make a decision to buy, yet make yeah. a decision, yes or no, I want to hire you or I don't. And then the other thing that I want to just comment on here is that because we sometimes are so hesitant to sell, and, and I primarily work with women, I'm, I do work with some amazing men too, but I primarily focus on working with women because of these exact struggles that you're bringing up. But when I start to reframe for them this idea of when you don't walk somebody through the sales process and give them the opportunity to hire you, you often leave people feeling unsatisfied with their interaction with you. And so as women, I think a lot of us, like we, we want people to feel good about interacting with us. We want people to enjoy the experience of being in a conversation with us. And one of the ways that people can enjoy it and have a good experience that leaves a good like feeling for them when they walk away is by allowing for them to have an opportunity to make a decision to hire you or not. And if the answer is no, that's totally fine. You don't have to be offended or, or you don't have to like run away and go like, they'll never talk to me again. As a matter of fact, some of my best refers, people who send business my way, have never paid me any money, but they know that I'm committed to leaving them with a good experience when they engage with me, I always say, you know, the basis of everything I teach is based on rapport. Rapport has to be there first. Yeah. And when I think about rapport, I describe it as I have a rapport bank account with everybody I come into contact with. And my job is to make as many deposits in that rapport bank account as possible because I'm human and I make mistakes. And sometimes I make a misstep. And when you make a misstep, you're making a withdrawal from that rapport bank account. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I want to make as many deposits as I can in somebody's rapport bank account. And every single person, you know, with you right now in this conversation, like I'm hoping I'm making deposits. And so the idea is it's also my job to check to see if you are a potential client in a conversation. And if you're not, that's okay. We can still have a great conversation. I'll still do everything I can to make deposits. But if I don't check, then you might miss out on something that I offer that you actually need that could change your business, that could change your life. Because most of us don't just do our business to have a business, right? Yeah. There is some life component here. 
And if your product or your service delivers something that is going to improve somebody's business and or their life, wouldn't you want to do that? Absolutely, yeah. And the only way you're going to do that (laughs) is by allowing that person to pay you money to deliver a product or service. Mm -hmm. Because when people don't pay you money for something, if you just if you just walk around and you have a hobby and you just give, give, give all the time, that's totally fine. That's if that fulfills you in that way. But as a business, your, your product, your service, whatever it is that you're offering, people don't value what they don't pay for. And Mm -hmm. so they won't implement, they won't use, if you give somebody a bunch of free photos, for instance, to use for their, to promote their cafe they may or may not ever use those photos, but they won't spend a lot of time thinking about how to be strategic to use the photos. Mm -hmm. However, when they pay you money, they're going to think about how to be strategic and use those photos to their advantage, which is going to bring them more clients, you know, or more customers, which is going to grow their business, which is going to improve their life. And these are the ways, like, I think most most of us want to be of service. We, We have a servant's heart. And to have a servant's heart means you need to get paid money in order for somebody to get the actual result of what you offer. So true. I'm just here shaking my head. It's so true. (laughs) I feel like I just had a soapbox moment. (laughs) I was like, yeah, preach, girl. Um, I wanted to ask, how can we ensure that we don't undersell ourselves? Because I think as women especially, but as creatives for sure, we have a tendency to undersell, undervalue our services. How do we know that we're setting our price at the right price point? I mean, there's so much that goes into setting a price. So I'm just going to give a few little like- And like a few little tips to think about pricing. So one is, you know, we all have to start somewhere and we're like, I rarely meet anybody who starts with a price that is like crazy, outrageously high. Most of us start with pricing that's crazy, outrageously low. Okay. Yeah. So I usually will challenge my clients, especially if they're like, I know, I I have a feeling my pricing should be higher, but I feel nervous about charging my price. And this is something a business coach that I hired years ago did with me. She said, fine, because we, we were arguing about my price. She wanted it to be, it was something that at the time she wanted it to be $5,000 and I thought it should be $1,000. It was a big difference in yes. you know, our agreement about pricing. And she said, fine. I want you to sell five of these. And as soon as you sell five, you have to raise your price. Because I knew my price was too low, but I was nervous about charging a higher price. So I still do this in my business today. And again, I advise my clients to do it too. Sometimes I'll just get, when I get five yeses, my price goes up. Mm -hmm. Now, not on everything and not all the time, but on the things that I know are undervalued. And anytime I feel any kind of resentment around delivering something for that price, that's an indicator of like, okay, Nikki, it's time for you to raise your price. And what I have found over the years is I don't get, I don't get any more no's 
than I do like at a lower price than I do at a higher price. Every time I raise my pricing, specifically on my private coaching, one of the things I've noticed is that my clients today get better results than my clients who were paying me a much lower price three years ago. Yeah. And I know it's because my clients today take my work more serious because they implement the things that I teach and because they implement, they get results and yeah. they make more money in their business yes. and then because they've implemented and because they've made more money. Now they're going to do it again. They like double down. They're like, Oh, this stuff that Nikki teaches, it works. So I'm going to do it every time. So that's so true. Like I have the same experience actually. Like I teach an e-course and you know, every time I've taught it, the students have had better results. And every six months or so, I, I put the price up. And I've just noticed, for one, just also I'm more confident as a teacher because I know what works, what doesn't work. So it's that, the experience element where I feel you know, I'm a more experienced teacher. So it's more costly to work with me. Mm-hmm. But because it's a bigger financial investment, the students are more invested to really get the most out of the course. And then they're like, wait a minute, I've just spent a couple of hundred pounds on this. I want to earn that back, you know, and they really go for it. And that's not to say that my first cohort didn't, but I've completely noticed that. And the same for my food photography clients, actually, that I... Also, I think when I put my price now, which is considerably higher than it was, say, when I started out, I feel the the restaurants are more more determined to make their business work mm-hmm. and more serious. They take themselves more seriously, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. So, yeah I can totally it's, it's, echo what you're saying. Yeah. I do want to jump in here for a minute and stress a couple of things. So the first is that many of the students who came to do my most affordable, underpriced course, some of them have gone on to attend other courses and some of them have even come back to me to do one-to-one classes. The second thing I'd like to stress is that the food photography clients that I had at the very start, some of them when I upped my prices were like, oh my God, no, this is too expensive. And some of them have come along with me on this journey. And despite doubling my prices, upping my prices, they're still my food photography clients today. And finally, I know Nikki doesn't say this, and I certainly don't say this, but I do want to stress it. Neither one of us is suggesting that you need to spend money you don't have to prove how serious you are about your food photography. Please do not take it like that. Right. I'm going to lead you back into the episode. And, and your client, your, the people listening to this podcast, as you start to increase your pricing, you will find this too. And it will, it will just reaffirm everything that Kimberly and I just talked about. Like it will just, you'll see it in your own business. Now, how do you know your price is too high? Everybody says no, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the other thing, unless you're not talking to the right people. You know, one of the other things that I tend to have soapbox moments around is having some pricing listed on your website. You don't have to have every price, but you do need to have some pricing on your website because for many reasons, but one reason in particular is it will cut down on you having conversations 
with people who cannot afford you. They're not going to call you. And if you don't have any pricing list on your website, people might, I mean, most of the time we think people are going to call, but that's actually not true. But maybe you start having conversations with people who were never actually going to invest money in your products or in your service. And then what happens is you start to feel like, well, nobody will invest money in my products or service. Put yeah. your pricing on your website and see what happens because yeah. you'll start having conversations with more serious potential clients. Yeah, I do the same. I do the same also just time management, you know, just to yeah. get people who, who, who can't afford it. It's just such a you know, waste of their time, if, if nothing else, uh, and my time too. Now you, before we, you know, start bringing the podcast to a close, you said something about language in communicating. I was wondering, is the language in email conversation different than over the phone or in person? Are there key words or terms that are general no-nos and one or two words that are good to embrace when we are moving towards making a sale? Yes, I love this question so much. It's such an important question. There is a very big difference in the language that you choose in your written communication. So your emails, your text message, your instant message, however you're messaging somebody. If it is in written form, there are some things you want to pay attention to. And one particular thing that will change the way people engage with you is limit how often you start your sentences or use I statements. So I want to talk to you or I want to send you some information or I would love to spend some time in your restaurant. Like all these I statements are about you and that is not interesting to a reader. They're more interested in what, how is this going to impact them? So one of the tips that I that I teach and, and I go into a lot more detail around this, around some of the training that I do is we, I tell my clients, go count how many sentences are in your message and then count how many I statements are in there. And if you have more than 20% as I statements, it's too heavily weighted about you and you, you likely will not get a response from somebody because they're like, nah. Everybody writes from, like, of course, we write from our perspective. We write how we think. We think in I statements. It yeah. makes sense, but it's not interesting to the reader. So get rid of some of those I statements and amazing. see what happens. That's an amazing tip. Thank you so much <laughs> for that. Anything in terms of the face-to-face? -face? So the I'm standing in a cafe and I'm thinking about selling my services to the cafe owner Anything there that, again, to avoid or anything that might help me? One of the things you want to pay attention to when you're face-to-face -face in conversation with somebody is you want to be confident when you're talking about your products or service. When you, and then you want to be able to take a step to the side and you want to be curious when you're talking about their product and their service. Yes. So when you're talking about what you can deliver, then stand in that place of power and be confident and talk about like, here's what my clients receive. This is the type of impact that they've had. Yes. Now, when you want to talk about their business, instead of talking about their business, 
ask them questions about their business. Because if you walk into a place and be like, you need this and you must have it, people are going to go, I don't need it and I'm not going to have it. Get out of my restaurant, right? Like get out of my shop. Because it's off-putting when you try to tell people what they need and what they know. Instead of telling people what they need and what they know, ask them questions. Nikki, can I end the podcast with the question that I always ask, which is, what is your favorite thing to eat, capture, and share? And then afterwards, I want to be sure that we don't forget for you to share where people can find you. But I always close first with the eat, capture, and share question. Well, I love this question and I love to eat. <laughs> Me too. So I, I am very lucky in that my husband is a phenomenal cook and baker. So what I'm going to say that I love to eat is anything he bakes. He has a particular strength for anything that is dough related. Nice. And so what we capture often are these beautiful creations. He bakes his own sourdough bread. Every week he makes a artesian loaf of sourdough bread that is always beautiful and is so tasty. So my favorite thing to eat are anything dough related that is made by my husband. Amazing. What's your most favorite thing to share? It could be a quote, a message, an idea, anything that you'd like to share with my audience. Well, I love quotes and my all time favorite quote, which to me speaks to the heart of what I teach is blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. And I teach flexibility in conversation. How do you show up with the most flexibility? Because the person who has the most flexibility in a conversation tends to have the most influence in the conversation. Amazing. Nikki, if people want to find out more about you and your services, where can they go? They can, well, I'd like to give your audience a special gift. And this will be, this is a gift that they can download for free from my website. And that will take them to my website. So that's one of the ways that you can find Fantastic. me. So the gift is it's my ebook on closing the sale. And it actually has some very specific language in it for you. So if you feel like you're struggling with closing, this will be something that will help support you around that process of closing the sale. So to get that, you can go to yoursalesmaven.com slash or forward slash ECSP for Eat, Capture, Share podcast. Amazing. I'll pop that in the show notes for sure. And then can you just talk us through the different services that you offer and things that are available and, and ways that people can work with you? Oh, yes. Thank you. So I'm a speaker. I'm a paid speaker. So you can hire me to come speak at your events. I work with clients privately one-on-one. So I do that through strategy sessions, monthly coaching programs, and VIP clients. And then I also have a community. I think I might have mentioned it earlier called the Sales Maven Society. And this is a membership program. This is for people who want to kind of dip their toe in the water, learn some of these skills. I have a a training center that's set up with, um, I don't even know now, like 65, maybe 70 units of little like sales trainings. And then there's an additional like 200 resources in there of articles and 
um, videos that I have shot around sales tips and then people get access to me in my private Facebook group that are in the membership where they can actually pose questions to me and ask for feedback on language and ask for feedback on scenarios that they're dealing with. So the okay. Sales Maven Society is another, is another way to work with me. Fantastic. Nikki, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here. I know what I know. I care about you. So good. So good. Totally going to use that. And I love it. Hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. As mentioned, everything and anything that we talked about in this episode will be linked to in the show notes, including the free ebook that Nikki talked about. I'm definitely grabbing myself a copy of that. And I'm going to lead you into the outro. Before I do, just to say, I may not have the podcast live next week, Monday. My mom's in town and I usually do record the intros and outros on the weekends. So I might just take her to Chinatown instead. So if I'm gone for a week, you know what's happening, but I'll be back as soon as I can. And thank you so much for listening in. See you soon. Before I leave you, I wanted to say thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I also wanted to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by my free creative community, the Eat, Capture, Share creative community on Facebook, formerly known as the Food Photo Insta creative community, and I'd love for you to join. I will pop the details on how you can join my creative community in the show notes, so do go and check it out. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, it means so much if you can rate, review, and subscribe. All those things will help the podcast to grow and to reach the right audience. And yeah, you'd kind of make my day. All right. See you soon. Take care. Bye.